Rejoice. Rejoice, give thanks. Sing. Rejoice, ye pure in heart. Rejoice, give thanks and sing. Your festal banner wave on high. The cross of Christ your King. Rejoice, 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 give thanks and sing. Grace and peace of Christ be with you. We welcome you to Laguna Presbyterian Church, especially if you're visiting with us today. There is a friendship pad that is on each one of the pews near the center aisle, and we'd love to have you take it and fill it out and let us know that you're here today, whether you're regularly here or whether you're visiting with us. Our visiting musician this morning is Doug Smith, a Grammy award-winning musician. We're so glad to have you with us, Doug. By the end of the service, you will be very aware of why we're glad to have him here. It's wonderful to hear and to watch him play. You can see the announcements in the life of the church inside of your bulletin. This morning, out on the patio after each service is our Molokai bake sale. The youth are selling baked goods to help finance their mission trip that they take during their spring break to Molokai. Second service is our Scout Sunday, so you may see some kids in uniforms in between services. Next Sunday morning is Parish Sunday. After each one of the services, our deacons will be hosting you to refreshments over in Tankersley Hall. Be sure you go over there. It's a great morning to meet other people. We sort of organize by geographical areas so you can meet some of the other people from the church who are in your part of Laguna or part of Southern California. Our third Friday group invites you to join them for a pre-Academy Awards night, we're going to have kind of a gala evening, and we are going to be having the new Laguna Contraband play for us. Uh, we had the singer wrong last week. It is Ginger Hatfield who will be singing for us. And so you can sign up today for that, and if you'd like, you can come in your gala attire. I know that I plan to do that. Our spring book group, the books are now available. We are reading A Piece of the World and it is available out on the cart today. If you would like to be part of that, you'd, all you have to do to be part of the book group is to read the book and then just show up to discuss it. There's a women's study group that has begun already on Wednesday mornings. They are studying the book Wearing God by Lauren Winner, and you are invited to join them for, the, for these first couple of weeks as they meet. They are still taking new people if you'd like to be part of that. Our women's retreat is signing up online. A lot of you have signed up. We are at a resort this year at Pala Mesa. It is going to be wonderful. And our speaker, Courtney Ellis, spoke to our MOPS group Thursday, and they just loved her, and I think you will too. The deadline, which it doesn't say in here, is February 12th. 
So that is a week from tomorrow. So if you are thinking about going, run, do not walk to get that done, and you need to do that online. There's no other way to sign up except online. Ash Wednesday is a week from this coming Wednesday, the beginning of Lent, and we will have a service here that evening. You are welcome. It is a great way to begin the season of Lent together. And I see that the flowers this morning are an anniversary from Steve as a surprise to Peg Donner, 54th anniversary. Congratulations. And because it is Scout Sunday, I'd like to introduce to you Tom Fay, who is our, now let me see if I can get it right, charter representative for the Boy Scouts. No, I don't have it right. I got the first word right. But Tom, come and talk to us about Scouts. Good morning, everyone. I am charter organization representative for the Boy and Cub Scouts, that'd be Troop 35 and Pack 35. Uh, today's the day we recognize our charter organization and vice versa. Uh, on behalf of the Cub Scouts and Boy Scouts of Pack 35 and Troop 35, respectively, over 70 years we've been chartered by this wonderful church. Thank you all yeah. for your support. And I want to recognize outgoing Cub Master Taylor Green who will be bridging to the troop with his son this, this March. <laughs> Taylor, thank you for your service. Uh, Clay Leeds is presently our Scoutmaster, fourth generation Lagoonan. <laughs> and our troop committee chair, Pam Jensen, daughter-in-law of Rolf Jensen. <laughs> helping us once again at the troop. And I cannot thank everybody's volunteerism, and I want to thank parents. Lisa, are you here, Lisa Jensen? Okay, she's our committee chair for the PAC, and I didn't think I saw her, but things happened. So uh, Cub Scouts and Boy Scouts have a very important role to fill, and the program is so popular that beginning this year, Cub Scouts are accepting girls, and beginning Ooh. next year, the Boy Scouts are accepting girls. It is such a program that is respected and admired. Uh, it doesn't take anything away from the Girl Scout program. It just gives them another option. And I have a strong feeling one of our leaders, daughters, is going to be first to get the Gold Star in the Eagle Scout here in oh. Laguna Beach. So thank you, everybody. Great. Thanks, Tom. <laughs> Let's turn our hearts to the Lord. Let us pray. Oh God, we thank you for our scouts and their leaders. Thank you for the opportunities that scouting holds for each of them. We ask that you would keep your hand upon them as they grow and learn. And may they be people who are loyal and caring toward all of your world. Who is like you, O oh God? Everywhere we look, the world around us speaks of the greatness of your power and the depth of your wisdom. It is your hand that carved out the seas, that raised up the mountains, that set the sun in place, that robed this earth with a thin garment of air, making it a haven of beauty and life. Create in us such a sense of wonder and delight in all your gifts that we might receive them with gratitude as we come to worship you today. Amen. song. 
please join me for our call to worship. Praise the Lord. How good it is to sing praises to our God. For He is gracious, and a song of praise is fitting. The Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers the outcasts of Israel. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. He determines the number of the stars. He gives to all of them their names. Great is our Lord, and abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. Sing to the Lord with thanksgiving. Make melody to our God on the lyre. He covers the heavens with clouds, prepares rain for the earth, makes grass grow on the hills. He sends out His command to the earth. His word runs swiftly. He declares His word to Jacob, His statutes and ordinances to Israel. Praise, Praise the Lord, Lord O Jerusalem. Jerusalem. Praise, Praise your God, O Zion. Let us stand and worship the living God. Together.
hear our call to confession. Beloved, let us love one another, because love is from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, for God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent His only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. And this is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Beloved, since God loved us so much, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God lives in us, and His love is perfected in us. Almighty and merciful God, we have erred and strayed from your ways like lost sheep. We have, we have followed, followed too much the devices and desires of our own hearts. We have, we have offended against your holy laws. We have left undone those things which we ought to have done, and we have done those things which we ought not to have done. Shepherd. upon us. Spare those who confess their faults. Restore us according to your promises declared to the world through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ our Lord. Shepherd us, O God, perfect your love in us. come to you now in the silence, asking that you would shepherd us from death into life this day.
But now thus says the Lord, he who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned. And the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. This is the good news. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Thanks be to God. Amen. The psalm reading this morning is from Psalm 147. It is one of the last five psalms that is in the Psalter, and like each of those, it begins in Hebrew with the word hallelujah and ends also with hallelujah, even though in English it doesn't say that. So that's the way I'll read it. I'm just going to read select verses from it. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. How good it is to sing praises to our God, for he is gracious, and a song of praise is fitting. The Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers the outcasts of Israel. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. He determines the number of the stars. He gives to all of them their names. Great is our God and abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. The Lord lifts up the downtrodden. He casts the wicked to the ground. His delight is not in the strength of the horse, nor his pleasure in the speed of a runner. But the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him, in those who hope in his steadfast love. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And from Mark 1, beginning with verse 29. As soon as they left the synagogue, they entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they told Jesus about her at once. He came and took her by the hand and lifted her up. Then the fever left her, and she began to serve them. That evening at sunset, they brought to him all who were sick or possessed with demons, and the whole city was gathered around the door, and he cured many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons, and he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Martin Luther King weekend that Monday uh, Dave, my husband, and I tried to get to Santa Barbara because our five-year-old granddaughter had a ballet recital. Now, ballet recital had already been canceled once because everybody in Santa Barbara evacuated for the Thomas Fire. And so these little kids, five years old and down, 
were all very ready to do their version of the nutcracker for people. And they had not practiced for a number of weeks because everybody left Santa Barbara because the smoke was so bad, even if they were not affected by the fire. And now they were ready to do it again on that Monday of Martin Luther King weekend, except that just six days before was the mudslide in Montecito. So the 101 was closed between Ventura and Santa Barbara. The only way to get there, you could drive five hours around, which we chose not to do. You could take a boat, which didn't go at the right times, to get back again after the evening recital. There were private planes that were flying, but they were taking only medical personnel and first responders and people who needed medical treatment, like chemo patients that had to get to Santa Barbara or had to get back and forth to Ventura. But Amtrak had just opened the day before. Now, we had seen pictures on TV that Amtrak, the Amtrak station in Santa Barbara that day when they opened was so full of people that hundreds had not gotten on the train to get south to Ventura. We almost didn't go because we weren't sure that we would be able to get on the train in Ventura. We thought maybe we'd just be stuck in Ventura sort of waving at Santa Barbara from, you know, several miles away and be completely unable to get there. But we tried it. So we got online tickets, and the tickets quickly sold out. So we got to the Ventura train station. It was absolutely covered with people. It's a tiny, tiny station, and there are ramps that lead up to the platform. Every ramp was packed. The, the whole station platform was packed, and we, although we had been good and early, were down at the bottom of one of those ramps behind all those people. We were not sure that we would get on. The train came an hour and a half late, and we all did manage to get on. We had to stand, but at that point, that's no big deal that we had to stand. So we got on the train, and it got to its next stop, the very last stop before Santa Barbara, which is Carpinteria. They wouldn't let anybody on unless they were first responders because the train was so full. It, it was just kind of dropping right into the midst of the sense of people still reeling from the tragedy. There were lots, most of the people on the train that we talked to, and everybody wanted to tell their story, um, was either lived in Ventura and was trying to get to work, or worked in Ventura and was trying to get home to Santa Barbara. Anybody on that train, ex probably except us, was planning to stay in Santa Barbara several days because they knew it would be so hard to get back south again. It would be actually almost impossible for them to do it. The train crawled as it went up to Santa Barbara through Montecito. We crawled past just devastated hillsides that had been burned, in some cases, all the way down to the track from the Thomas Fire. And then we got to Montecito, and there were trees, so we couldn't see everything. But we could see places where the highway was covered with six to eight feet of mud from that mudslide. Another spot, one of the very lowest spots on the left, the, the ocean side, absolutely looked like a lake. It had been a parking lot before, but it was a huge lake. It was not even a shallow lake. It was horrible devastation. There was mud everywhere. And this was, oh, just uh, less than a week afterward. We saw a car where the mud was up to its windows. People just desperate. People who had lost 
so very much. The utilities were out. There was no electricity for weeks afterwards. It is now almost exactly a month after the slide. I think that this Tuesday will be four weeks. Our, um, our family is all safe in Santa Barbara, and their homes were safe, and Westmont College, where they work, is safe. Uh, but no, no utilities, uh, no drinking water. All the water is polluted because of so much sewage that was washed down those hills and through in and throughout everything. Our son and daughter-in-law's church is meeting today for the first time in this month. Because, not because it was damaged, because you couldn't get to it because of the mud. They are in Montecito on the beach side of the freeway at All Saints by the Sea Church. It was a terrible devastation and massive recovery efforts uh, throughout Santa Barbara and throughout Montecito. People that they called mud angels who were coming to help other people in the midst of it. The Psalms arise out of liminal situations like that. Situations where the people have been pushed beyond their normal ability to cope. Situations that are on the edge uh, of devastation, of fear, of grief. Uh, situations of guilt, catastrophes, experiences that make us not even know what to say except to cry out to God. And many of the Psalms give us those words to use to cry out to God in situations that, where life is just out of control. Psalm 147 was written by a psalmist who knew about catastrophe. He wrote six centuries before Jesus. Jerusalem had been leveled to the ground, invaded by the armies of Babylon, denuded of its people who had been either killed or carried away to Babylon in captivity. They were cut off from their people, from their land. They were cut off from what once was their temple in Jerusalem, but which now had been just raised to the ground by the Babylon armies. In captivity, life was just devastating. They had lost so much. They felt so deserted and so much despair. Could it be that God really didn't care about them anymore. God just seemed unreachable. They found it hard to believe that the God that they had known could even possibly still be concerned about them. Psalm 147, though, sings that God has done a new thing. Did you hear it? At the lowest point in their history, in captivity in Babylon, God has done what they thought never would happen. God has stooped down. He has gathered the outcasts of Israel. He has healed their broken hearts. He's brought the refugees back to Jerusalem, back to the land that they loved, and he is enabling them to begin to rebuild in the midst of all of that wreckage. It was like a new exodus as God gathered those exiles from far away and brought his people back home to settle in a land filled with his shalom, with his perfect, complete peace. God gathers and heals and he binds up. 
Thomas Jefferson would disagree. Jefferson was very influenced by the deism of his age. So he believed that God had created the world, but he no longer had much interest or contact with the world, that he didn't affect the day-to-day lives of people that he didn't really, uh, he was not really involved with what was going on in the, in the everyday. Uh, last fall, we were in Washington, D.C., and at the Smithsonian of American History, and we saw one of Jefferson's Bibles. They're actually uh, quite small Bibles. And what Jefferson did was he took a razor blade and he cut out of a Bible all the parts of it that referred to either miracles or uh, God's supernatural acting in human life. Uh, There are a lot of holes in that Bible. Uh, Some of the pages, there's not much page left. It's mostly just holes that you see there. But the God of the Psalms is very different than Jefferson's God. Our God has not walked away from his creation. He is passionately active in the world, providing for his creatures, especially for his most vulnerable, for those who find themselves in terrible places. He lifts people up and bandages their wounds. Our trust, really our only hope, is that the God who created the vast universe is a God with a personal face and that his personal face is turned toward us in caring. That same God who controls the cosmos is personally, intimately, intricately involved in our lives and in the lives of his people in every corner of the world. Jesus came as a personal expression of God, and he showed the healing and the caring love of God. We read one of those stories. Jesus in himself experienced the pain of the world in his own body. This last uh, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, we had uh, the pastor's retreat for Los Ranchos Presbytery. We went up to Malibu and spent several days listening to an expert talk about resilience. Resilience, the ability to bounce back in um, a terrible situation, to stretch without breaking. After 9-11 and Katrina, she said that there has been a lot of research on what it is that helps people build resilience or what it is that within within a tragic situation Uh, allows them to show resilience. You can probably think of a time when you were resilient. Maybe it was a personal tragedy. Maybe it was a a larger situation. What did you do that showed resilience in that situation? Were there any beliefs that you had that made you more resilient or less resilient because of them in that situation? Research has found a number of factors, but uh, there are two of them that seem to be key. One of them is you can't do it alone. Research shows again and again that people can actually bear more physical pain or not notice the pain as much if someone is holding their hand. Isn't that amazing? If there is someone who says, I see you, I hear you, I care about you. 
people can bear much more than if they are by themselves. Elie Weissel, out of the Holocaust, said, in the camps, if we knew that somebody knew, somebody out there, that somebody saw us, that's what gave us hope, hope that allowed us to survive. So when you're in difficulties, one of the first things to do is to call in your network. The people that you know care for you. You will be more resilient if you don't try to do it alone. I guess that's something that's natural to me. You know, if you've been anywhere near me, if I have any kind of trouble, I just tell you. I, just, I guess it's because I'm basically a complainer, but I, I, t I, ask for, I don't exactly ask for help. I guess I just want somebody to know, to somebody who can say, I see you, I know what's going on with you. Don't do it alone. The second factor in building resilience, which I keep wanting to read as resistance, it's resilience, is a trust in God. Knowing that God is good and that God is for you in the midst of whatever it is that you're going through, that he understands. Christian faith doesn't pretend that things are not bad. It doesn't try to just offer platitudes to people who've experienced loss. It's not even mere optimism. It's more like a defiant hope that God is still writing the story. Learning to trust God is a crucial movement in the spiritual life. It's an important place for us to get. Trusting God, though, is a slow process where we sometimes take one step and then are not too sure if we can take the next one, if we can still trust God as we move ahead. Do I really want to continue the journey? Remembering where God has been faithful and where we've seen God in the past. A lot of times is what gives me the willingness to take one more step, to trust God just a little bit more. I find that in my experience of trying to trust God, sometimes it feels like peace, or sometimes it feels like insight into a situation that I wouldn't have had otherwise. Sometimes it's a real keen sense of God's presence. Sometimes it isn't. Sometimes I don't feel God's presence, but I know that I can trust him even in the dark that God is there, and that God cares. Sometimes the way we experience God's care is through the caring of other people. God's love with skin on, you might say. Laguna has experienced plenty of our own disasters. Some of you are affected by the landslides. Some of you have been affected by the 1993 fire. How many of you evacuated in either the fire or the landslide? Look at that. A lot of you evacuated. How many of you, your home was damaged or lost in either one of those? Look how many. Seal and Fred Sharman, I asked if I could tell their story. They are one who, their house burned to the ground. And uh, shoemaker's house burned to the ground. 
and Maxwell's house, the Sands house, some of the rest of you lost a lot. Seal and Fred's story captures uh, both of the factors that I learned about this week that lead to resilience, trust in God, and also the help of other people. Ten days before the fire, Seal says that God gave her a gift. It was a scripture verse that she wrote in her journal, and she did it because she intended it to send to somebody else that she knew who was having a hard time. She had no idea this was for her. Listen to what God gave to her. You've already heard it once today. Do not fear, for I have called you by name, and you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. The day that the fire moved into Laguna, uh, Seal and Fred had each gone to teach in their respective school districts. They had no idea when they left their house that morning what was coming later in the day. Late in the day, as the word about fire got to, the their, got to their respective schools, they both headed south, tried to get into Laguna through absolutely packed traffic. Uh, Seal couldn't get through the roadblocks. She couldn't ever manage to get to the house, but Fred got in for a few minutes, uh, got some photographs off the walls of the family, got the computer, right? Got the computer, back when not a whole lot of us had laptops. That was not an easy computer to get. And then tried to find one another. I mean, this was before cell phones, folks. How do you do that? Uh, Margie Bell was just telling me the story this morning about how she found her three kids who had each gone home that day with different friends and how they all found, I, it's a story in itself, how anybody could manage to do that. Santa Barbara, the cell phone towers were down, they burned. And so Santa Barbara First Presbyterian Church, way into the town of Santa Barbara, way away from the fire and the mudslide, set themselves up as a place where people could find one another. People would come and register where they were so that their friends could find them or their family could find them or the kids could find the parents. When Seal and Fred uh, left, when Fred finally got out and that during that fire, their house burned to the ground and they spent days with nothing except the clothes that they'd worn to school that day. Can you imagine? I just read this morning that in Santa Barbara in the first two days after the mudslide, all the underwear and socks in town sold out. They didn't have any left because people didn't have anything. They needed even that. For Seal and Fred, friends provided a bed and some food. Community donated clothes and the essentials of life. A lot of that happened here, didn't it? Some of you were here in those days. How many of you were here in the days of the fire recovery? Tank Hall was full of things. Uh, I hear the operations were set up in the basement, the, uh, how this all would work, and there was sort of a boutique of clothing over in the music room, people helping you find something that would fit you so that you could go on with life. As soon as they could get to the wreckage of their house, friends came with colanders and bits of screen to sift through the ashes because really, that's what was there, except the chimney, 
that was silhouetted against the sky that was really the only thing left. They were looking for certain treasures in the ashes and they could kind of figure out where certain rooms in the house had been and where those things might be. Gone were all of the photo albums of their children's youth. Gone were family heirlooms, things that they had treasured, art, antiques. They were all reduced to melted globs of glass or just ash itself. The search looking for particular, particular treasures, one of the treasures was Seal's engagement diamond ring. She usually had worn it, but at that particular time, it was in the desk drawer in her office there at home because she was going to take it in to have something fixed about it. Was it gone in the fire? The friends were sifting. All day they were sifting. And Seal was praying, God, where are you in all of this? I need your assurance that we're going to be okay. After a, all of the long day of sifting, a friend who wouldn't give up, actually he's here, Jim, who wouldn't give up, found a little metal box. He said, did, did you put it in a box? No, I don't think I put it in a box. It was a little box that used to be covered with velvet. And they opened it up, and there was the diamond on a pile of ash. The ring itself had actually burned away but the diamond had survived. And Seal saw it as God saying, if the diamond made it, you're going to make it too. You are going to make it through this. And that journal in which she had written God's promise about walking with them through fire, it survived. It was still in her car because that's where she kept it. She could read again the promise that God had given them just days before, that he would be with them. The promise that, I want to read it to you in Seal's words, that God was a gift, the promise from God that he would be with them was a gift that grew hands and feet, skin and a very big heart, a gift that came from people like you and you, and friends and strangers who walked with us through the fire. Key to resilience in disaster, in personal struggles. Trust in God. The support of other people who embody God's healing presence. Maybe that's you. Maybe it was you and the stories of all the people here who have lost things. Maybe it's you now. In the life of somebody who's having a hard time, maybe you're the one that will be God with skin on for them. As you say, I see you, I hear you, I care about you, and they know that God does too. Amen. Let us stand and affirm our faith together in the words of the Heidelberg Catechism. What is your only comfort in life and in death? That I belong, body and soul, in life and in death, not to myself, but to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ, who at the cost of his own blood 
has fully paid for all my sins and has completely freed me from the dominion of the devil, that he protects me so well that without the will of my Father in heaven, not a hair can fall from my head. Indeed, that everything must fit his purpose for my salvation. Therefore, by his Holy Spirit, he also assures me of eternal life and makes me wholeheartedly willing and ready from now on to live for him. Amen. You may be seated and let us bring to the Lord our morning offering.
us pray. Why do you say, O people, and speak, O church? My way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint and strengthens the powerless. Even youths will faint and be weary, and the young will fall exhausted. But those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Lord, you have walked into our lives as the Good Shepherd. You found us in our lostness, in our anxiety and fear, indeed, even in the wreckage of our lives. You picked us up from the ashes, carried us into the way of life and love. How can we keep from singing? Yet there are times when we do not feel like singing. We want to lament, to weep, to grieve the condition of the world, the wreckage of our world and of our own lives. So many cannot see beyond their own greed, pleasures, and confusion. We live for the moment. We allow the whispers of the world, seductions to lure and to direct us. We confess before you this morning that we need your wisdom. We hunger for the bread of life and the meaning of life. We are in search for the good, the beautiful, the just. Speak comforting words of hope to us. This morning we pray for the families of our church who walk through dark valleys. Especially we pray for Storm and Shirley Case who've lost their son, Doug. Comfort them. We thank you that Doug is with you, now sees clearly. We pray for Christy Miller and her sisters as they face their father's terminal illness. Comfort their family and guide their days together. Bless their father as he moves through this time. This morning we pray for our nation. We need you, Lord. Our leaders need you. Send divine wisdom and truth. We pray for them from the White House to the Congress to the judges to senators and representatives and for people who serve the public interest. We pray for them. And in praying for them, we are praying for ourselves. Teach us your truth and justice. Empower us to walk in the ways of peace and reconciliation. We pray for the spiritual awakening of your people, your church. Open our eyes and ears that we may see your presence and hear your good news. Resurrect your church to be a light to the nations and a beacon of hope to many who do not know you. We remember this morning how this community and this church rallied in 1993 at the time of the fire and helped so many rebuild their lives. 
as you did it then, you can do it again. Because you are alive and active that work at the center of human history, redeeming us and leading us. You are the God of blessed assurance. We cannot be separated from your love. And because of that, it is well with our souls. Oh, good shepherd, you know us each by name. Your grace and love lift heavy sorrow and grant to us the resilience and strength we need to stand up and to face every new tomorrow. Thank you for granting us all that we need to live for work and food, for housing, for rewards, for abundance, for the joy of giving, for relationships that will last. Bless our gifts this morning for the building of your kingdom through your church. We pray in the name of the one who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. In life and in death we belong to God. Through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the communion of the Holy Spirit, may we be today God's love with skin on. Amen.